you having fun just staring from across the room you've got to stretch your stuff and i'll show you just what to do now you gotta dance gotta make your advance you gotta show you've got the guts i gotta move that'll make them swoop and it's called the two-step strut now dance with me Coming soon to an old sport near you, it's The Equalizers, a weekly old sport where two old sports drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content old sport. My name is Mike Old Sport Noel, and I am joined, as always, by the old to my sport, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you an old sport? Sport to sport to sport to sport to sport. That's me. This is me doing the old sport joke as Swedish chef. Sport to sport. Sport to sport. Sport. Sport to sport. Old sport. That's me doing the old sport joke as Miss Piggy. Okay. That's me as Beaker. Uh, ah, old sport. <laughs> waka waka, old sport. This is great. Um, everything should be the Muppets again. Just gotta uh-huh. say it again. Everything should be yeah. redone as a movie as a Muppet. Uh, with the Muppets. Honestly, the Muppets, the Great Muppet Gatsby, would be really good. Okay, so who would play Gatsby? Because I think Nick Carraway is Kermit. Um, Daisy is clearly, um, I think Daisy would be Miss Piggy because she's the main person, but I guess Nick and Jordan, like as far as like couples, you know, maybe Nick, maybe Miss Piggy is Jordan. Oh no, Gatsby would be the, Gatsby would be the one human. Cause like there's always, the the villain is always a human and one of the protagon- protagonists is always a human. Yeah, you're, you're completely right. Um, and that would be Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, yeah. Um. What is the name of uh? Is her name Jenny? Um. The uh. The one Muppet that's in the band. Um. I think that's Daisy. Jordan is. Oh no no no! Actually, there's always like a female Rizzo. I don't know the actual name, but there's always that like female Jersey rat. She's Myrtle. Myrtle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's Myrtle. Jenny can yes. be Jordan Baker. Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. And Tom is the old. Uh. Is is the uh. Um, it's both of the old men. Oh no, they played Meyer Wolfsheim. The two old men played Meyer and Wolfsheim. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sam the Eagle is yeah. Tom. I mean, that makes the most sense. Yeah, because he seems the most. God, this is a good movie. Because Sam the Eagle is the most Republican Muppet. We can all agree with that, right? Yeah. Um. Um. Doctor Bunsen Honeydew is T.J. Eckelberg. The eyes on that sign. Yes. Yeah. I think that's pretty much everybody that matters. Uh, Myrtle's husband is. Rizzo. Sure, that makes sense because Myrtle is the other rat, right? Um, and if there's one thing the Muppets pride themselves on, it's keeping their romantic relationships between animals of the same species. Yeah, 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 for sure. And at one of the parties, Gonzo does do his <laughs> cannonball bit because you know mm-hmm. it's just it's a staple. We got to do that. It's like, oh, this mm-hmm. this party's so amazing and rich and crazy. There's a cannonball guy even. Um, and um, where's Fozzie? I don't know. Fozzie Fozzie's got to be the yeah, there's always like the background characters, right? Like, you know, um, maybe people who's telling the story or something like that. But who knows? It's, it's getting a little too serious. That's true. As, as trying to figure this well, out. So, <laughs> I see. Yeah. Or is it? Is it? Is my sequel um, a Muppet? A, a, a very Gatsby Muppet? Yeah, that's not the movie we're here to pitch, I assume. <laughs> a very Gatsby Muppet? Yeah. A Gatsby Muppet? <sighs> Jesus Christ. Well, uh, you mentioned who's telling the story, so I think that's a jumping-off point, talking about the 2013 Great Gatsby. That's right, Freakwells. We're in our back-to-back-to-Gatsby uh, block here. Uh, I last week did... Mm, gat to gat. I, I toyed with back-to-Gatsby, but it didn't work as well. Um, <laughs> a gat-to-gat-to-Gatsby. But last week, I did Robert Rivers' 1970... The Great Gatsby film. Madison... Four. Thank you. Madison is here this week with a pitch for... The Great Gatsby 2013 sequel starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Toby, jo- Toby Jones. Jones. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Toby Jones as Nick Garraway. Oh, my God. Uh, Toby Maguire uh, and Carrie Mul... No. Again, Carrie Mulgrew. That's right. Yeah. No. Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulgrew is Captain Janeway, I'm pretty sure. Carrie Mulligan. I'm- yeah. Yeah. It has been a week, y'all. Uh, so... You're hearing this on a Monday. It's near the end of the week for us as we're recording this. Actually, we are recording this, Madison, on National Podcast Day. We are? That's funny. Yeah, I found that out today. Uh, at work, they do a today's national whatever day, and today is National Podcasting Day, apparently. Did you tell everyone to listen to your podcast? No, I didn't. 
it was far too early in the morning and I don't talk to most of them. Sure, sure. Also, they don't like me. I'm too good at movie trivia. Yeah, yeah. I've heard. Um... Don't say it. <laughs> I won't talk about it. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm curious because mm-hmm. um, which movie do you prefer? Do you like one more than the other, or do you kind of like them about the same? I, I I'm gonna. It's gonna sound like a cop out. I like them both equally for different reasons. I think the Robert Redford one is more interesting. Like I'll say, engaging maybe. Like I think. Leonardo DiCaprio is the perfect choice for Jay Gatsby, and he does an amazing job at it. And Baz Luhrmann's take is visually decadent, which is amazing. It is also deadly boring. And the other version is kind of too. It's still boring, but it's got a little bit more to it. It looks like a movie of the time. It doesn't have as much going for it visually. But like Buzzle were leaned into the opulence of the Roaring Twenties as opposed to making like a film that was fun to follow. It was very fun to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I I like the Robert Redford one a little bit more. Um I and you know, mm-hmm. just like I like Moulin Rouge. I like I like a lot of things about Moulin Rouge. <clears throat> I like the feel, I like the the, the design, mm-hmm. I like the acting, I like sort of like the comical like movements of the characters if that makes sense like if you if you get kind of what i get this time i don't know like i don't like the high i didn't like the hybrid of like um the the, like the modern music for like a lot of this it kind of just took me out of it and it was kind of being too show-offy and you know too elaborate if that makes sense for me and it like it took me out of the um it took me out of the uh the story a little bit if that makes sense. Like, I, I like it's like, I, I think because like you said, it's deeply boring. The story is deeply boring in the newer one, I think. Um, and no one actually really wowed me that much in the acting wise. But I've always said the thing about the Great Gatsby when they make like the movie, the difference between the Redford version and this one is that so much of it is aloof and it's subtext. Even in the story, I mean, most of what Nick Carraway does is just voice the subtext. And doing that in a movie, it relies so much on, like, glances and facial expressions that I think they do that amazing job here with that aspect of it. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio's Gatsby tells a lot of a story with just, like, a lot of, like, grinding jaws and, like, quick glares and longing looks. Like, he does an amazing job with that. The Robert Redford one does not do as good of a job as that it does a better job of making it an actual movie that people would watch. And I think um, Baz Luhrmann took a much more straight, weirdly took a much more straightforward approach in his of like, no, we're going to lean into a lot of the subtext. So everything else is going to be decadent because it's the twenties, but everything else is going to be subtext, which isn't a fun story to follow. It's, it's very good. And it's like, it's true to the book, but it's also not like, a movie that people want to watch. Well, there's a certain scene. It was towards the beginning of the movie um, when he first walks in uh, to see Daisy, and they walk into that room, and the wind is like mm-hmm. like blowing like the curtains everywhere, and it like it's a moment that lasts like a little mm-hmm. too long because they were doing some fun like wind and like curtain movement stuff, and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> like i get it like yeah. i it's like i get what you're doing and i get i get like it's a style no. it's it, it's it's his thing right I, I don't know how to describe it but like um and he's trying mm-hmm. to set a certain mood right throughout the movie um but like i don't know like after that you see like two more very long party scenes where mm-hmm. it's like nick walking around like the myrtle party scene and then going to the gatsby party scene and i'm just like Okay, because there's not a lot of story, right? You know, like it, it in the in the Robert Redford version, the Myrtle party scene is maybe like a minute, if that, probably maybe maybe a few more. It's very short. Yeah, it's not. It's it's definitely shorter. I do like the bit where they start that party, and in this one, and um, Nick is like, I'm I'm just gonna go. Like, I don't want to be at a party where you're just gonna like fuck your girlfriend. And Tom's like, no, no, stay, stay. I know you like to watch. I've known since college. It's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> They're like, they just introduced Nick as a voyeur. Yeah, well, I remember in the Robert Redford version, like 
that moment is like um nick they're walking into Myr- myrtle's apartment and nick is like i'm gonna go and like tom's like no please come in please come in or whatever yeah. um in this version they cut to them being in myrtle's apartment and nick listening to them have loud sex basically <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of sitting there quietly. And I think, like, um, what's the guy's name in the Robert Redford version that plays Tom? Bruce Stern. It's the guy from Law & Order. Oh, no, no. You mean Nick. Uh, Sam Watterson. Yeah, Sam Watterson. Sam Watterson does the sort of, does the kind of aloof, kind of like, I'm awkwardly being here in this room right now sort of vibe than Tobey Maguire does. Like, I... Sam Watterson does a better job of, like... It's weird that I would be here for this. And Tobey Maguire does a weird version of, it's weird that I'm still here. Like, I should have left a long time ago, but I'm still here. And that's weird. Like, Sam Watson doesn't, thinks it's weird that he should be there at all. Tobey Maguire is there and continuously thinking, this is weird, right? <laughs> and it is a little bit like, especially with the added, like, oh, he likes to watch or whatever. <laughs> you know, it adds like a little, like... The Tobey Maguire one is a little, he's a little creepier, I think, or like it's, it comes off a little weirder uh, for me. Well, before we move on to our usual bits, I did, you mentioned the Daisy scene where they first meet her. And I thought you meant when uh, Gatsby meets her at Nick's cabin. And that does have one of my biggest laughs of the whole movie of where he comes in and Gatsby's not there. And they just sort of knock at the door and he's just standing at the front door drenched with this look on his face of like, I panicked. Like the look on his face is so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was very good. Like, I, I agree with you. The facial expressions and, like, the sort of, like, everyone, like, especially in that moment. Leo's a great Gatsby, like you said. Leo's a great Gatsby, like, mm-hmm. from, from beginning to end. Um, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, for me, it's um, kind of, like... I generally like this movie. Like, I am pro this movie, even though I talk about how it's deathly boring because I just, I'll like, it's like Aquaman. I'll put it on to look at it. Like I don't own this movie, but I will. Like it's one of those ones where I would put it on to look at it. Um, so I'm generally positive on it, even if it's not good. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just like, not for me. Like, you know, it didn't hit with me. Like mm-hmm. I think uh, some of the other Boz Lerman stuff, uh, specifically Mulan Rouge. Cause that's the only yeah. one I could reference. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah. Cause he got to write a movie for that and it wasn't adapting a, very dry novel yeah yeah well i like this movie and you generally are okay you're okay with it i'm okay with it it may surprise you to learn that there are people who had their own opinions madison it's the vine that keeps on giving we got some more daddy's tomatoes are fully in the patch man we're in the patch yeah the patch is back the patch is back uh, uh not every episode necessarily unless i can legally you know there's there's some small print there but yeah the patch is back asterisk uh our first review comes from a person who didn't have a username but they gave us half a star all of them cheaters and liars hypocrites and cowards whoever saw romance in this movie is a pervert in a review mm. Pervert for romance. Well, just a pervert for romance, Madison. I'm horny for love. That's the name of the song, right? I'm horny for love. <laughs> Not sex. Love. Um. Yeah, no. Like, I do still get the... Um, Shot through the heart and horny for love. Um, you give love a hard one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do get, like, um, talking about the vibe of this movie, Um, something that I do consider... And mm-hmm. I don't know why it's maybe it's just this story and like how and I talked about this last week, but I do get a little bit of horror movie vibes again from this movie a little bit um, mm-hmm. is uh, the it's just like waiting. It's kind of like you're watching a slow fuse. Right. And you're just waiting for everything to explode, I think. Um, well, it's funny you should mention that. But speaking of last week, this review is going to give you some deja vu. This comes from Katie. This one's from Letterboxd who gave this four stars. The scene where Nick and Gatsby are driving, except Vroom Vroom by Charlie XCX is playing in the background. Oh my God. This is, now, I went back and looked. Fully a separate person. This is not the same reviewer who said this about the other Great Gatsby movie. Now you got to play it again. Yep. Vroom Vroom. Okay. Go watch the Vroom Vroom uh, video. It's one of the best Charlie XCX videos. Yeah. It's oh, as of now the so only good. one I'm aware of, so it must be. So it has to be the best. 
back on Rotten Tomatoes, our last review comes from Michael H. Gave this a half a star. Random, oddball, too polished, don't know where it starts, and God knows where it ends. Good visuals, but nothing fits. People, acting, music is from another era that doesn't fit the movie. It's like playing Limp Biscuit in Casablanca. If you've got two odd hours to kill, kill it watching something Playing else. Limp Biscuit to Casablanca is a good description <laughs> of this movie. Of, like, yeah, like, I think that's a really good, um, that's a, that's a <sighs> good description, I think. Um, it's like playing, uh, it's like playing the Black Eyed Peas to Gone with the Wind. Uh, <laughs> night's gonna be a good night. Night's oh gonna God. be God. Uh, um, it's like <laughs> playing Smash Mouth over modern times. <laughs> As he's going through the machine, somebody wants. <laughs> that needs to be made. Put Smash Mouth over Planet of the Apes, the original Charlton Heston one. Right as his knees hit the ground when he sees the Statue of Liberty. Body, body, God damn it! Um. Okay, uh, I have. Uh, I'll cut this one. This one's not that funny. This is one. I have one more letterbox. I'll read it out, and if it gets a big reaction, we'll keep it. But our last review comes from Ozil. Play whack on... it over. It's a, it's a wonderful life. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's the end of the reviews. I okay. uh, There's a PDF waiting here in our group chat that tells me that the Carnival of Bits is about to roll into town. Yep. Um, choo-choo-choo-choo. Come in the tent. Here's a script. Sorry, I think you mean... Peanuts. Peanuts. Shelled peanuts. Popcorn here. Get your popcorn here. I sound, it sounds like a cat is dying. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, please come in this tent. Here's a script, and we're going to find out. I can show you the world. <laughs> we're going to find out what movie are we in. All right. So as a reminder, uh, the game, what movie are we in, uh, is me and Mike are going to read a script uh, with lines to each other back and forth. Um, the characters have been replaced with different characters um and with different characters so unrelated to the movie that it doesn't make a lot of sense that they are talking to each other for example in this script it features santa claus michael kane holly shore and barney the dinosaur so there's gonna have a little conversation here and at the end of this conversation mike is gonna have to guess what movie are we in now uh, mike will be playing the roles of michael kane and barney the dinosaur I am playing the roles of Santa Claus, Polly Shore, and I'll also be the uh, scene as well. So with that said, we are to begin. Ho, ho, ho! Hey, I know you! Aren't you? Yep, Michael Caine. Buzz Lightyear's son! Ah, he's so rad! Michael Caine moans depressingly as rain begins pouring down, starting to, and he starts to walk off. At a familiar cafe, Michael Caine arrives as the rain pours through the whole city. Some water splashes on the dog, making him moan. Inside, as slow jazz music is playing, Polly Shore looks around before noticing something. He looks at the familiar groundskeeper drinking some hot cocoa. Do you ever wonder why... (laughs) Do you ever wonder why you're always, like, wearing gloves? At that moment, Barney the Dinosaur is drinking with Baby Bop. Michael Kane comes up to the counter looking more depressed. Grande cappuccino. Make it a double. Hey, Michael Kane. Ha ha ha, grande cap, double it. Be here now, bro. We thrive on the singularity of the you that is the one with your selfishness. Holly Shore comes up to the dog. That's just the new Barney speak for where you been, buddy. There's some clues in here. Yeah, I know. I... I'm turning the corner on what, about liking this bit. Look at the second Polly Shoreline. You ever wonder why you're always like wearing gloves? Some yeah, water I... splashes on the dog. This <laughs> is becoming your weird beat poetry. Um, That's interesting. You say that because there is yeah. beat poetry in this scene specifically. Oh yeah, this is um, an extremely goofy movie. Yep.
I just picked another Disney character. Yes, this is Extremely Goofy Movie, the sequel to A Goofy Movie. It's the one where they go to college and play in the X Games. So, Holy Shore does play Bobby in in Extremely Goofy Movie. Um, Jesus. Yeah. 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 Um, I picked this scene in particular because um, it's kind of like suggested in the coffee house scene that they have all been like they're getting into college life or whatever and they all seem kind of high all the time when they're in the cafe so when like holy shore says you ever you ever wonder why we're always like wearing gloves he's like being meta about how all the disney men wear gloves for some reason um or at least in the, the in the mickey verse right um but I, I don't know. I was just thinking about this scene the other day. And I'm like, I'm going to do a what movie we're in for this. But congratulations. I'll give you that point. I think this is my hardest game. Uh, all right. So if that is the end of all the bits, we can move into your sequel to The Great Gatsby. For the people who can't see Madison, as I started to say that, immediately tinted their fingers at their mouth in the most, uh, the most kind of thoughtful look, but also aggravatingly like, ah, yes, my... Oeuvre, my opus. All right. <laughs> oh, good. So I got a question uh-huh. for you before we begin, Mike. What? What media would you say? What particular media would you say that mm-hmm. I am? I bring up a lot. Like I that I reference a lot. Um, and th- Dimension Twenty. No, it's a TV. I'll say it's a TV show. Um, Friends. It's not Friends. I'll mention Friends that much. Uh oh, Duck Dynasty. Your other canonical favorite TV show. Oh yeah, yeah. My my other canonical. Yeah, okay. I love Duck Dynasty. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Okay. Well, I'm going to begin then, and then it, it's going to become uh somewhat obvious as we start. Because I told Mike beforehand, I got a little bit of this. Um, it's another, this is my notes run out. Um, but I was getting excited about the concept that I really kind of wanted to do this, the second part of this mm-hmm. with Mike. Um, so with that being said, we open on an FBI office, 1970. It's busy and agents are roaming around as we weave in and out through desks. We pass the different investigative departments. Homicide. Missing persons arson until we finally land on the door to the counterfeit and a bank check department we pan out and see the characters from catch me if you can frank abagnale jr and carl hanratty played by leonardo dicaprio and tom hanks respectfully discussing something inaudibly carl hands frank a bright green envelope frank looks at it inquisitively and takes it in his hand carl then leaves him and uh, enters the door we don't follow him, but we do see from under, under the door a bright green light that pulsates faster and faster until it progresses more intensely. <laughs> the building then begins to shank, shake, and we hear Frank scream. The screen then turns white, and we get the title card. The Great Gatsby and the Quantum Romp. Quantum Leap, of course. So just to be clear, who's the person that went into the room with the light? Because you said their names and I... Frank went into the room with the light. Played by whom? Played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Frank Frank Abagnale Jr. Have you seen Catch Me If You Can, Mike? Yeah, I just, I don't, I didn't remember who was Frank Abagnale Jr. is based on a real man. (laughs) So, but this is the movie version of Uh Frank Abagnale Jr. Uh, Legally distinct, please don't sue us. Legally distinct. We hear the song... Ain't Misbehavin' by Fats Waller with Lena Horne play over... Uh, I think you mean Vroom Vroom by Charlie XCX. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not this time. Um, maybe maybe that's the credit song. Um, <laughs> we hear the song Ain't Misbehavin' by Fats Waller and Lena Horne play all- over a long opening credit sequence that features a series of stills from different periods of time. Not-so-eagle-eyed viewers will recognize that some of these stills look familiar. One of appears to be a scene from the American West, and we see Frank in a cowboy hat and a gunfight. This is, of course, the scene where Leonardo DiCaprio dies in The Quick and the Dead, where Fee the Kid Hira dies during his fight with Gene Hackman. 
which eventually triggers the rage the rage of the lady to take down John Herod's authoritarian regime of the town. Another still we see is from the Titanic. Frank appears to be courting a young woman and helping her recover a priceless jewel and saving uh, the life of the young woman. This leads to the exploration and history of the sunken vessel. We see him go down with the ship and die while floating near uh, one of the old doors. Next, we see him as Frank Constagen Jr. in 2006 South Boston. We see a still of him being uh, undercover and infiltrating the Irish mob boss Frank Costello's crime ring and disrupt the stale of uh, stolen microprocessors to the other gang. He dies while uncovering a mole uh, in the Massachusetts uh, State Police Department uh, and ending an abusive mole operation in the mass in the N- in the MSP FBI and Irish mob. And each one of these scenes uh, has a still image of um, whatever the character Leonardo DiCaprio is playing, talking to a mysterious man in black. In one of these scenes, we see that this is, in fact, Tom Hanks's character, Carl, um, who seems to be communicating with Frank. Oh, he's Al. Okay, that's right. This is a quantum leap thing. (laughs) From here, we go back to the pool scene where Gatsby lays dead. Uh, we see the funeral and Nick's disgust of uh, disgust of the life led by these blue bloods. The night before Nick leaves East Egg, he's approached by who else? Howard Hughes, also played by Leonardo DiCaprio in The Aviator. So what I've set up here, mm-hmm. um, uh, what I've set up here is um, and what we're going to do forward, uh, if you get, um, is that. I've turned Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio into a Scott Bakula quantum leap type character who is traveling through time of his of uh-huh. the movies he's been in. Um, no, yeah, I, I'm I follow. In, in each one, he's solving some sort of crime or problem um, before he can leap to the next place, basically. And he has Carl as his Al. And so what my setup for this one is that Gatsby dies before solving anything. Like, and what I have mm. in what the letter is at the beginning um, is something about Daisy. And so that's like the reasoning for the first movie is like, you have to fall in love with Daisy um, to solve the next problem or whatever. But he dies before he fails and dies. So, um, but he gets transported into another person from the 1920s, okay. Howard Hughes, and he approaches Nick to help him with the next thing uh, to figure out what he needs to do to leap on to the next place. It's your audio medicine. Something's got to be done about your audio. My audio? Uh, do we does does it turn into an asshole or something? Yes, uh, it actually does turn into an asshole. Uh, hey, Freakles, this is Mike and Madison from the day after we recorded what you just heard. We had no end of audio problems. Uh, Madison, as it turns out, their uh, audio stopped recording when they weren't talking. Uh, so at our first time check, after about an hour, Madison was showing 40 minutes and I was showing an hour and five. We recorded for about 20 more minutes. And then when we stopped, I looked down and my audio because of uh, memory issues had stopped recording at an hour and six minutes. So uh, we did a whole movie and we are coming back in now just to like wrap up, tell you what we did. We're going to maybe take 20 minutes, 30 Run some new ideas, check the playbook, see if we can patch up the ship any way we can. But everything that you yeah. have heard up till now was from that original day that I painstakingly repieced together. Uh, one thing I will cop to, Madison hasn't heard that edit. I cut about 70% of what movie is this after we stopped reading the script. <laughs> uh, I was bringing a bad energy and it was, at that point I'd already spent two hours piecing together audio. I was not willing to go through me being upset and madison trying to figure out what hints to give me uh so i pretty quickly cut to me getting the answer after i would say three full minutes of me being a real poopy pants uh what movie are we in is uh is the most uh um um infuriating of my bits i'm i'm finding out uh probably because it's the hardest but anyway 
I just wanted to cop to the fact that when you hear this, it's going to sound like Madison immediately gave me a couple hints and I cracked it. There was three full minutes of me being real grumpy for, and then finally Madison gave me a couple hints and I cracked it. Uh, this episode is going to be our. Uh, it's going to be one of our ship of Theseus. Uh, ship of Theseus. Yeah, not um, since Oz the Great and Powerful have we had to uh, to come back hat hat in hand and re-record everything almost. Yeah. Um, if we replace the audio files with this, is it still the same episode? Who knows? Um, <laughs> with with what so we anyway, do now. Medicine Lost listeners have heard you have finished outlining Frank Abenale's quest through time to um, stop crimes that ultimately end up leading to his death and that Jay Gatsby died before whatever mission was achieved. Yes. Howard Hughes has approached Nick Carraway to get his help in whatever needs to be done. Yes. Uh, yeah. What we came up with following that amounted to Tom working with Henry Ford but there was some kind of flaw in the car. We toyed around with the idea of whether or not that flaw would ultimately lead to the death of FDR before he became president. Naturally. (laughs) Yes, thus making the Great Depression last like 10 more years than it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. And so if they could convince Henry Ford to fix this defect, it would save FDR's life, he'd become president, and the Great Depression would only last approximately four years. Yeah, we also had a part with Daisy being a huge part of this um, by working with uh, Howard Hughes and his airplane factory or whatever uh you know like and they would kind of drop hints about this defect in their stuff so that when tom had his meeting with henry ford because we also established tom was profiting off of the the cutting the corners that led to this defect uh that they needed to bolster her one knowledge and two confidence to openly disagree with him in front of henry ford and say like no this is a defect you need to fix it and this is how yeah Um, and that was kind of the job of the movie was building up daisy's confidence and knowledge that she wouldn't be afraid of tom and would defy him and then maybe she goes on to being like a huge like like herald of safety measures in factories and stuff like leading forward yes we did vaguely hint at that she creates osha yeah Um, that yeah she 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 vaguely creates osha now one Um, thing that um madison was not on board with was my idea that the big thing that is fixed is that she leaves tom and marries vincenzo mario uh and their two sons (laughs) would go on to save the world that's what's not on board with that idea you know at this point i'm cool with if we follow that one too we're in the alternate (laughs) timeline now we can we can do whatever we want um this is our what if Um, somehow somehow both things exist um no i don't know as i said our idea was maybe to just go through and see if there's any places we want to shore up or expand on i do have an alternate idea i want to throw at you just to see if there's some heat there we don't have to scrap everything um but what if because this movie ends a little different than the robert redford one this movie has nick finding those bonds that gatsby Mm -hmm. stole and he burns them what if frank abagnale jr's thing was he had to get gatsby exposed which would help bring down meyer wolfsheim but nick by burning them actually made it so that um he had to jump into howard hughes to come back and still fix this problem the plan worked but nick Carraway fucked it up and now that he has to come back and try it again as howard hughes i like this because um not to make my lore even more expansive but maybe mm-hmm. we could make nick Carraway's character as like oh you're a divergent <laughs> figure in the timeline and you like like you mess things up like you're a loki, um, you're a loki. yeah you're a divergent um nick um you you weren't meant <laughs> to do that but you nick. but you're, sorry i'll let you i'll let you finish a sentence now i promise <laughs> you're uh um uh never mind i was gonna try to make a divergent joke about the movies divergent but i know nothing about those movies so it's really mm-hmm. hard to make the joke about are we um, going to recast Nick Carey in this movie as Hale- or Shailene Woodley? Yeah, exactly. Nick is next going to go uh, jump into um, uh, American te- uh, an American teenager who has se- a secret <laughs> life on the WB or wherever that was. ABC Family? Whatever. Oh, yeah, um, I think it was ABC Family. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, I like that. I do like that. Because it makes us expand the lore a little bit. Because some, some of, like, what I really what our final product didn't have a lot of is like the some like 
some more bits that I didn't get to do sure. because like something that I mentioned, which I think is in the deleted audio is that the green light thing is like yes. a part of mm-hmm. what is going on. So like the green light that Gatsby like shines every day, like is part of the time travel part. So like maybe we could in- institute no. that a little bit. Like, just for clarity, he doesn't shine the light. The light's at the end of Daisy Stock. He looks at the light. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that doesn't mean it can't be relevant. It's just, it's not, Gatsby doesn't actually produce, Gatsby doesn't produce the light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He just looks at it. Yeah. So, what if the, um, hmm. What if, okay, so, what, you know, you know what, this is what mm-hmm. I want to do Um, with yeah. the light uh, to really nail it down. Whenever Frank Abagnale jumps um, to a different timeline, he knows what he's supposed to do by following the green light. I was about to suggest the same thing. I think that, that makes tracks. that makes the most sense, and it kind of fits a little bit more into the uh, the the green light metaphor for the actual Gatsby movie too. So, like, so when he's in The Departed, um, like mm-hmm. the green light is shining on, like. Um, on Matt, Matt Damon. Damon's on Matt Damon, yeah, <laughs> at one point or yeah. Oh. Um, this is beautiful. I like that yeah. a lot. So yeah. Nick burned the bonds, so there isn't any yes. evidence. So now he and Nick and Howard Hughes have to find the evidence or more evidence that will expose Meyer Wolfshine. We can work yeah. in Daisy. We can salvage some of the elements of the original idea still mm-hmm. if we want. Um, just kind of recontextualize them as. Instead of saving the life of FDR, maybe they still do. I don't know. But like, sure. What's because the thing we talked a lot about the first time was the butterfly effect of like this small act yeah. that they do ultimately ripples into something bigger. And we kind and, of, the reason I kept pitching for FDR was it was a smaller um, save that ultimately had a bigger effect. Yeah. And like, yeah. I know you had pitched an idea that Daisy takes a lot of money and say, puts it into like, medicine and in like 2067 or something it, that company ends up creating like a cure-all or something like yeah that. Like, yeah yeah which i'm not trying to put i'm not phrasing it that way to make it sound stupid or whatever like that i know you had pitched a l- longer game mm-hmm. than i was necessarily so i don't know what the butterfly effect is of meyer wolf shine being arrested or whatever that network being routed by yeah. gatsby being caught yeah yeah um, so let's think about that for a second. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with like, like I think focusing on the Great Depression lasting longer than it does or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's like to keep it themed with the story. I think that's probably the better heat. Like, um, um, but let's see. So Meyer Wolfshine, um, something about those bonds were important because maybe it was the evidence, right? Or like, or maybe it was the, um, or maybe it. So, I mean, I think it's, it's evidence that is a link in a chain. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if Gatsby had them, then they could arrest. It, we could go like the way, like Al Capone, the gangster was arrested on tax evasion. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, don't have the evidence to get Meyer Wolfsheim on the actual stuff they want to. Mm-hmm. These bonds are a thing that they can get him on and lock yeah. him up. It doesn't yeah. have to be that the bonds themselves are extremely important. It could just be the like, they need to find some evidence that can be used to arrest Meyer Wolfsheim. Yeah. And we can say like, oh, in the future that was fixed or whatever, um, when Gatsby died or whatever after death, uh, mm-hmm. after is that Meyer Wolfshine was eventually arrested for tax evasion or for like he got pulled over and like fought with like a, a cop or something. And then they it caused like a chain effect where they searched like they searched him and all of his like business associates and like find the bonds. Right. Or something. And that leads to him getting arrested. But like in this timeline, since the bonds are burned, mm-hmm. then those things are never found. He goes off to do more profiteering off of like yeah, people like, like like more more um more profiteering off of people more subjugating and maybe that in itself like he causes enough chain reaction to make the great depression last longer as well or maybe he also mm-hmm. does maybe 
him and Henry Ford, along with Tom, like, work together to, like, like, instill, like, like, shitty fascist stuff. Okay, so with minimal cuts or tweaks then, they were supposed to find the bonds at Gatsby's house. The bonds were going to somehow, based off of the signatures or whatever, were going to tie to Meyer Wolfsheim. They were going to use this to search his house. They were going to find way more stuff arrest him, send him away for life because they didn't because Nick burned the bonds. He goes on to continue operating. He's the guy who's working with Tom to profit off of the defect Mm -hmm. in the cars. Yeah. So we still have the idea with Henry or Howard Hughes, the cars, Daisy, the defects, FDR, everything like that can kind of like remain as we had it. It's just with a few smaller cuts. It also lends Nick being responsible in some way instead of yeah. just like hey i'm howard hughes i was also gatsby i'm time hopping and i need your help it's like also like yeah you have to help me because this is your fault yeah yeah you're you're some divergent in the time you're you're you 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 somehow remessed up the timeline with what you did but that wasn't supposed to happen uh thus expanding the lore uh, but I think this is good. It is also like a good way in the sequel to take down the three big bad guys. Like, I mean, Henry Ford wasn't in the first one, right? But he's a new. <laughs> you know? I mean, you can argue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be. He might have been at one of the parties. Who you know? Uh, but uh, we could oh, say we that like, Jordan Baker was Howard or was Henry Ford the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name was actually Jordan Baker Ford, and her uh, her, her father dad. or brother or her her father or brother was Henry Ford. Um, I mean, Henry Ford in the 20s would have been like 60 years old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But. God. Anyway. Yeah, I think I like that. Like, it is. I think it's like a two-pronged thing. It's like, oh, we have to get Meyer Wolfshine, like, um, arrested. And we also have to, like, get Henry Ford, like, exposed um, for uh, this default in the cars. It leads to, like, I think we still keep the FDR death thing like it sets off enough chain reactions right like that it really fucks up the future so like not only does meyer wolfshine continue to profiteer this um attributing to the great depression yeah he rigs the election and then um because of the default in henry ford's car fdr dies so it like Mm -hmm. like it's kind of like a great cocktail of chaos that like makes it makes something something bad much worse right so for the record because we originally the idea was henry ford wasn't actually doing anything i'll say bad in the movie he was just like a big business he was in the movie because we talked we toyed with like tom supporting fascism and stuff like that yeah how we got to henry Ford. okay the idea was Switch. he didn't know about the defect Meyer Wolfsheim yeah. in this case will and Tom did. They were earning money because of the the shortcuts being taken on design. Switch Henry Ford with Tom with what I said then. Yeah, okay. cuz it would be yeah, that makes more sense and the Henry Ford connection is because of fascism and like and it's the deal that Tom is doing, right? Is is involved <laughs> with. Um and that's what he's going to profit off of. So. And then we keep Daisy. Uh the idea was that they go to visit Howard Hughes. Like they're trying, Tom's trying to get some secrets. Daisy kind of takes an interest in the design. Maybe shows a little bit of like a knack for it. So Tom's like, yeah. Hey, go work with him and spy, spy on the secrets. But she's yeah. actually like really good at the job as well. This is how yeah. we got the idea of her being around Howard Hughes and Nick and everybody so that they could sort of bolster her. And also then she could learn about engineering and stuff like she that. becomes like a double double agent kind of mm-hmm. like in that she goes there to go spy and steal uh um howard hughes's secrets mm-hmm. um and then um becomes enamored with the process of like engineering and safety mm-hmm. precautions thus like she starts caring about that stuff more and she also gets to work with like the working class people a little bit more and starts to get to know like that whole thing and nick's there too sometimes you know like nick i think yeah yeah i think nick and howard are the ones like trying to like put the pieces in motion as the story goes on yeah it's a similar level of like let's drive here and have like they're like a picnic or like like hanging out but it's also a lot of like Wow, it's a good thing we didn't collide with that other car. There's not without this steel rod put like exactly right here, we would have crossed. Like I'm, I'm yeah. being heavy handed, but there is an idea of they're like just kind mm-hmm. of like 
they're hanging out with her while dropping some hints about so that when this comes up at like a dinner because the idea was there's a dinner where tom is going to pitch some design to um to mm-hmm. henry ford and daisy has to basically be like there's a defect there and it'll like kill people so that henry ford will implement the safety feature but the idea is she's afraid of tom and yeah. she has to do it sober because if she's drunk and she says that they're not going to believe her they can write off she has to be sober and like point this out and there's really yeah. no way she would uh, daisy from the first movie would stand up to him like that sober yeah um, we have like an interesting thing that we can add on here a little bit mm-hmm. with um nick knows about the future and nick now knows about the great depression and he is heavily involved in wall street right um and he's part of that um something that i was thinking like maybe like now that he's like in on it a little bit like i think he um maybe he's like oh i need to go stop this i need to go convince like my coworkers and stuff like to make sure this doesn't happen and we have a thing in that um carl the tom hanks character is like the uh-huh. owl to uh yes. to frank Gaffney, mm-hmm. like um and i think maybe there's like a moment it's like what do i do like he knows he's gonna go try to stop stuff or whatever and maybe uh carl's like it's kind of an unavoidable consequence that he goes in and tries to help and like solve things but the great depression still happens like he's he fails like and nick is gonna no matter whether he knew about it or not the great it's an inevitable future um and nick could like um maybe we see some scenes of nick trying to convince his co-workers and then maybe he like gets like nobody believes him or like nobody like cares or um and nick like ultimately fails um so but it's kind of like a sad future sort of like melancholy ending for nick um but he was trying to do like the right thing in the end um uh but he was trying to fight it fight against a future that was always going to happen i i do like that we had talked about the idea being um that they're trying to forestall nick had always thought they were trying to stop the great depression from happening but in reality, it was like, no, that it always was going to happen one way or another. We were just trying to stop it from going on for tw- like 20 years. And I don't know if this is in, is in the deleted audio, but um, uh, we talked about uh, Terminator 3. Like Terminator 3, like, have you seen Terminator 3? Um, no, I have not. Judgment Day, right? Yeah. Uh, Judgment Day is the second one. But like the third one, which isn't like people don't really like that one as much. Um, it's fine. Um as far as I'm concerned, but the whole thing is, like, they're leading to a, um, this is a spoiler for Terminator 3, if you care, but, um, he, uh, the whole idea is, like, John Connor, and I believe the woman's name is Brewster, like, last name Brewster, um, she, they're working with the Terminator, going to this certain, area to try to stop judgment day from happening because something reignites it and the terminator um arnold schwarzenegger character uh the whole time um doesn't tell the like it ends up like oh where they end up at the end isn't the place to stop judgment day it's to it's a bunker that they can live in um to survive judgment day because it was always going to happen the entire time that's the big reveal at the end of the terminator 3 um so it's kind of a similar thing it's like oh this is an inevitable future this is always going to happen um and it's just how do what do we do to make it as good as possible kind of thing um I have, to that extent, I have an idea, and I apologize. I, I promise I was listening. Madison could see I was looking on my phone for a lot of what they were talking about. The Yeah, I, I just figured you were glazed over because uh, uh, the plot yeah. of Terminator 3 is not that great. <laughs> I was doing some fact-checking the op- because I forgot. This movie opens with Nick in a minstrel institution writing the story of um, yeah, yeah. The Great Gatsby. It takes place in 1929 the year of the great depression so we can have howard hughes show up at the Uh, institution because it adds a level with nick of like okay a guy who looks exactly like my dead best friend who died seven years ago is telling me he's a time traveler who hops between bodies to solve crimes and i have to come with him right now to prove this happened or else 
the the economy is going to collapse like we can play with the idea of like nick believing him is ludicrous but also like that's kind of worrying not like a is he actually telling the truth or whatever Mm -hmm. like we know he is but the idea that can play with nick is like a character thing of like should i have left that asylum like should i have left i was getting better and now i'm following howard hughes around trying to convince daisy to tell henry ford to fix a car yeah and um and after that they look at the um they they look at the therapist and it's you know patrick harris and he's like we're returning to the matrix and then there you find out they're in the matrix the entire time that was the green light uh no <laughs> yeah we pan back around and it was actually keanu reeves neo the whole time yeah yeah neo caraway i'm fucking um, stoked for the new matrix <laughs> um, <laughs> um it also gives it a little bit more it's not like man in seven years the great depression is going to be bad it's nick doesn't have time to truly yeah. warn anybody because it's like in like oh in like f- 14 days the economy is going to collapse so we have yeah. to get this done now that way it's a little bit more urgent and we don't yeah. have nick doesn't have seven years to convince people that the great depression is going to happen that makes more sense than him trying to go off and like stop it. It just like, but I think for the majority of the movie, Nick thinks that they're going to stop the Great Depression. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then 100%. it's revealed at the end that it's like this was inevitable. Um, yeah. um, um, man, this is weirdly when you when you walked into the walked to the door with a quote, "Great Gatsby: The Quantum Romp." I was not like this is going to be stupid. Like I figured it's going to be fun. I like I'd actually fucking watch this movie. This sounds yeah cool. yeah. I, I I like it. I mean, I I'm really just about it. One, I love I love Quantum Leap stuff. I love, Quantum Leap's one of my favorite TV shows. Um, but also like I appreciate my own like thread that I made between like oh Frank Abagnale Jr. from Catch Me If You Can is good at playing different people. So what if like all of Leonardo DiCaprio's history is just Frank Abagnale Jr. going like jumping in and like he he can ju- like he can jump into these different like scenarios uh throughout like history um it also like i said it also lends like a fun new character for the avengers verse but yeah um what would you do if i just decided it was my great gatsby that was the avengers and not this quantum leap great gatsby i think there would be writing it's fine i mean at this point there are diverging timelines i think we're we're fully into the multiverse of madness Um, i'll say avengers 3 multiverse of madness multiverse of madison he's kind of our doctor strange no, I mean, um, I, I purposefully made Mrs. Florence Zimmerman our Doctor Strange. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, we ended um, the movie. I can't remember which movie I said, but you had us in the movie with Frank Abagnale j- jumping on to a different. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one I'll, I picked. I'll ask again. Um, you can make, change your answer now. But Mike, what? where does Frank oh, Abagnale right. Jr. leap next? I um, said Wolf of Wall Street because it was one of the the ones yeah. I, that you hadn't used that I had seen. Mm-hmm. Um and then we talked about Wolf of Wall Street vaguely in terms of saying it's fun, it's whatever. It sure is a number of sketches that pretend to be a movie. Yeah, I mean, you can change your answer if you want to. Oh no, no, it's it's Wolf of Wall Street. I'm just taking this opportunity to <laughs> slag off Wolf of Wall Street as well. Okay, I've never seen it, so I can't comment on it. That's the first thing I ever saw Margot Robbie in. Uh, okay, you would also you would hate Wolf of Wall Street. I don't. Think yeah, you probably enjoy it at all. I mean, I think unless you have anything else you want to touch on, I think we did it. We kind of. I think that's Not it. rushed it. I mean, we only talked for about 20 minutes about yeah. the movie, but yeah. So just to run it one time, since we kind of skipped around and rushed through recapping what had already been done, we open on Nick at the mental institution that he's in at the beginning of the 2013 Great Gatsby movie. Howard Hughes shows up and says, hey, old sport, it's actually me. But really what's happening is, and he explains the whole thing about Frank Abagnale Jr. Mm-hmm. quantum leaping into various bodies and via his actions there usually his death illuminates some crime or spurs on some action to overthrow an unjust system or decision etc uh he's like listen i did all of that on purpose to expose those bond to expose gatsby and those bonds so that meyer wolfstein would be arrested because you burned them he wasn't arrested he is actually going to go on and with tom they're going to um basically rig the net the election after the great depression starts etc mm-hmm. what we have to do is uh 
find Daisy, convince her to help us expose this design that Howard, Howard, God damn it, expose this design that Tom is going to show to Henry Ford with a fatal defect in it. That defect is going to kill FDR, the only person who can stop the Great Depression. I think that's what he keeps saying. Yeah. FDR is the only person who can stop the Great Depression. He doesn't follow mm-hmm. up with after four years. Yeah. Um, so we and he's the only one who can stop what's going to happen. They begin the plan. Daisy comes to work for Howard Hughes. Uh, we got Howard Hughes and Henry Ford, and it's fucking with my brain. She goes yeah. to work with Howard Hughes ostensibly as a spy for Tom, but she takes to the engineering and safety and kind of learns empathy by working with real people. Uh, at a dinner where Tom is going to present his design to Howard Hughes, she stands up to him and says, there's this defect and it'll kill a lot of people. Tom's design is not used, but she's impl- like she is hired or whatever for safety reasons. Yeah. They implement this safety in different models. It saves FDR's life. As uh, as Frank Avignale Jr. is about to leap on to become the main character of The Wolf of Wall Street, we, he reveals to Nick that the Great Depression was always going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be for four years now, but instead of like 20 years. Yeah. For a good like story beat, like, because um, yeah. uh, I think uh, I know we're going on a little longer than we thought. Oh, that's but, fine. Um, I think like in the middle, I think like starting out, Howard Hughes, Frank Abagnale Jr. Um, is like, I think he's told by Carl that like, I think he's told by Carl that you're stopping the Great Depression from happening, thus saving a lot of lives. Um, and then, but then in the middle of like, like Car- maybe just to make it a little nefarious, like the Carl character, like just be like, no, that's actually not true. Like, um, we just told you that, so you would say that to him. Like, um, if 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 we want to do that, but. I would argue that it's more nefarious. One, Frank Abagnale Jr., as per your introduction, has already leaped to the Departed, which is set after the Great Depression. Yeah, yeah. So he knows about it. I I think it's even more nefarious, and the fact that he's a con man arguably that's true he wouldn't need to not know like the i i know what you're saying like the if you knew you wouldn't be able to sell it yeah yeah he's a con man like he can sell anything that's true it's more nefarious if they've just they're just openly lying to nick from the beginning like he knows and it's just like yeah yeah i I didn't lie i said we'd stop he he could stop the great depression i just never said from happening i meant he would stop stop it after four years yeah yeah and that's um, a bigger that fuck can... you i think that's a bigger fuck you like yeah. and is like a little thing i yeah you know i like your version better that's and better. at least yeah. in nick in a weird dark place at the end because we are establishing at the beginning he's like questioning the legitimacy of what's going on because he's in a mental institution after a breakdown and howard Hughes shows up and it tells him not only am i Gatsby. In reality, Gatsby was a time hopping con man from the future who's solving yeah. crimes. Like that I whole thing. And at the end of being like, oh yeah, we just like I just lied. Is yeah. also like a good like down ending for it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I like that. I don't think I have anything to add. You know? No, Follow the green mean. light. Follow the green Follow light. Follow the green light Frank. prequels. Follow the green light, Frank. Well, uh we I don't know if the plugs that at the end of oh, the plugs aren't going to make it at the end because my audio cut yeah, out. Yeah, so we, we, got to we the should plug. do so, we should do them again. Oh, I was just going to do a little. We're kind of loosey goosey today. Just you know, find us on Podbean, Stitcher, uh, everywhere else podcasts are found. Find us on the socials: E Q U E L I Z E R S, like in sequel, like in sequel. Banana Boys, Oh Yes, etc. Uh, yeah. We talked about this last time. We're entering October. We're going to start doing some more Halloween-themed movies. Uh, we're not going to talk as long about how much I don't care for horror as a genre. Um, we're going to avoid slashers generally. Or we might do some slashers if there's not a sequel. But, like, The Conjurings and The Happenings. Not The Happenings. Yeah. Conjurings and Hill Houses and The Devil Made Me Do It, etc. We're probably going to avoid. But next time, mm. we're jumping into the craft. Yes. Uh, did we establish, is this the old one or the new one? The new, uh, sorry, no, it's the old one. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. So next time we're jumping into the old craft. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen the new one, and I'm I didn't have a lot of interest, but the old one is a vibe. Another back to back. We could do another back to back if you want to, oh, um, but no. <laughs> I like the back to back. Like this, this was a cool thing we did. I think, and it ended up. 
obviously like in two different directions like which is our i knew they would Um, like i wanted to go a little wild with mine but the version i had was so loyal to the material and it didn't give me as many weird jumping off points Mm-hmm. Like when I was watching this one with Jackson, I was like, oh, Gatsu was a ghost the whole time. Like I was just throwing out all these weird twists that I was like, this yeah. actually thematically fits with this movie, but not mine. And yeah. so I'm not mad. Like I enjoyed the oldest sport. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it turned out great, but I would be interested in doing it back to back with more interesting films in the future. Yeah. Yeah. We should absolutely do that. So cool. Um, well, then tune in next time for the craft. So for the equalizers, I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Noel. We are the weirdos, mister. To be continued. First take your favorite leg, and then you kick it up to your chest. And then you pump your open palms, and then you really start breaking a sweat. That's all there is, that's really it, you barely even gotta move your butt. Come on, man, now follow my lead, and we'll do the two-step struck. Come on, dance with me.